You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus takes care of us, both according to our bodies and according to our souls. He takes care of our bodies and our earthly life, mostly through the institutions that he puts in place in creation. He sees to it that the crops grow up out of the ground, that the animals have babies so that there's food to eat. And the Lord has instituted the family and the state to produce and to protect human life. And the Lord Jesus has instituted the church to preach his word and give out the sacraments. And through these, as through means, the Holy Spirit creates and sustains faith. Takes care of our souls. Gives us the forgiveness of sins. And where the forgiveness of sins is, there also is life and salvation. Now, this first care, the care of the soul, is indicated in our gospel text by the fact that the 4,000 people were with Jesus in the wilderness and had been there for three days with nothing to eat. Now, they were not going on a camping trip. (laughs) What were they doing out there? It was this huge, massive crowd of people, drug out from their homes and from the, from the safety of civilization, doing with Jesus and the disciples in the wilderness without any food. Well, no doubt they were listening to him, listening to his word, listening to him preach and teach about the kingdom of God, so that these 4,000 in the wilderness are the ones who sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else was added to them. And dear saints, this morning, these 4,000, this church in the wilderness, is our example to follow. The scriptures are always reminding us that the Lord's word is our greatest treasure. That it is our life, our salvation, our joy. Do you remember how it was when the devil was tempting Jesus in the wilderness? And Jesus had fasted for 40 days and the text tells us, just in case we didn't know that after you don't eat for 40 days, you're hungry. It says Jesus was hungry. And the devil comes to him and says, hey, you see that stone? Turn it into a piece of bread. And remember what Jesus' response was? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that marches or proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it was later on when Jesus had been teaching some difficult things and the crowds were leaving him, that Jesus turns to his disciples and said, are are you also going to leave? And Peter, speaking for the disciples, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words, the words of eternal life. Paul teaches the church the same thing when he says that it pleased God through the foolishness of the word preached to save those who would believe. It's the Word that saves, that saves us eternally, that brings us out of this life to the life to come. So that when the devil wants to kill and destroy everything and the church and also you, he attacks the Word. In fact, I think in some ways the first temptation is the only temptation. When God says, or when when the devil says to Adam and Eve, did God really say... Because to doubt God's word, to doubt his command, to doubt his promise, it is to be on the path that leads to death. 
So Jesus has instituted for us and for the world, for, the, for our eternal life, the preaching of the word. He's established his church for no other reason than that we would hear his word and that the world would hear his word and hear it and believe and have life in his name. But we know that the world doesn't want to hear the Lord's word. We are, and I, I don't need to tell you this, but you, you know it already, We are at a time of great social upheaval. Now the church, the Lord's church, has endured this kind of thing before. The rising and falling of nations is nothing for the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it has proven true. For the the whole creation of the world, especially for the last 2,000 years since Pentecost. But for most of us, we haven't seen so many social and moral and political changes in our own lifetime. And you all tell me about this, and it sounds something like this. Uh, Pastor, things aren't like they used to be. (laughs) There's a gap growing between the preaching of the Word in the church on the one hand and the ideas of what is good in the world on the other hand. And and that gap is getting bigger, and, and times are getting tenser. And I'd like to, to imagine, I think I have a picture that kind of gets at this. So you have to imagine with me this. Imagine that Jesus is there standing on the shore of a lake. And he's surrounded with a little band of followers, people who believe in him. And there, a little way off of the shore, in the, in the lake, is a boat full of people who don't believe in Jesus. And Jesus is there speaking to them, preaching to the people on the boat. He's letting them know on the first hand that their boat is sinking. (laughs) But on the second, that he is there to save them and to rescue them. And you're standing there next to Jesus and you look up and you see that on his face is a smile. He's smiling at all of these people because he loves them. He's speaking kindly to all of these people because he loves them. His hands are raised in blessing to bless them and to welcome them and to greet them and to save them. You hear his words and you know that his words are true and his words are good and that his words give life. And the people on the boat, they're close enough even to see this. Now, they don't believe the words of Jesus. They don't believe that the boat is sinking, that they need saving, but at least they can see that Jesus isn't angry with them, that Jesus looks like a nice guy, that his, that his face has a smile on it, that his hands are raised in blessing. But the boat is moving farther and farther away from the shore. Now, as this happens, Jesus doesn't change. He doesn't move at all. He keeps talking, he keeps preaching, he keeps blessing, he keeps smiling. But look, the farther and farther the boat goes, the less the people on it can see Jesus. And at some point his face is obscured and they can't see that he's smiling at at them. And they start talking on the boat about how this Jesus has a scowl on his face. And a little further, the boat floats away. And now they can no longer understand the words that Jesus is saying. They can hear that he's saying something, but they don't know what it is. And some people think that he's murmuring like a fool, while others think that Jesus is cursing at them or yelling at them. 
And a little further, the boat floats out. And now the people on the boat can't tell that Jesus' hands are in fact raised in blessing. But they sort out among themselves that Jesus must be casting some sort of spell on them, afflicting them, causing the boat to sink. And some of them want to paddle away even faster. And the devil is there on the boat, pouring lies into the ears of all of the people, hardening their hearts and their consciences and their minds to Jesus and the words that he speaks and the kindness that he gives. And the, and the more obscure Jesus becomes, the, more, the, the farther the boat gets from the shore, the more the people on the boat become angry with him. And they start yelling at him. And putting their ears, their fingers in their ears so they don't hear his words, they start throwing things at Jesus. Rotten fish and rocks. Which I don't know why they have rocks in the boat, but, you know, spears and whatever they can find. And all these things are coming at Jesus and they're hitting you. Standing there next to him. On the shore with him. Now, imagine that you're there and you're looking at the rage and the anger and the hatred of the people in the boat and you think, did something happen with Jesus? Did he change? Is he mean? And so you look up and you see Jesus there is the same. He's got the same smile on his face. He has the same words of kindness and love proceeding from his mouth. His his hands are still raised in blessing, beckoning the people to save them. He still has in his hands the wounds of the cross where he died for your sins and for the sins of everyone on the boat. And you see that Jesus didn't change at all. So then you look out at the boat again and you see the people yelling at Jesus and and you, and cursing him, and hurling venom at him, and you look out back at Jesus, and you see his love, and the concern on his face, and the preaching of the sinking boat, and you look out the people, and you see the rage, and you look over to Jesus, and you see the love, and you are confused. And so am I. In what Jesus is saying, and what the people in the boat are hearing, do not match up. Now, I think this is how we think of these days. I mean, look, Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And really, the the Lord's church hasn't changed. For 63 years, the same scriptures have been read here in this congregation. The same hymns have been sung. The same gospel has been preached. The same baptism, the same body and blood, the same creed, the same prayers have all been spoken and given out. And the sameness of the church, the unmovableness of the church, is much more than this. I mean, we have the same doctrine of the church for the last 2,000 years, plus the same confession, the same truth, the same word, the same preaching. I mean, there's been different preachers that have stood here in this pulpit and preached to you. There's been different hearers that have sat there in your place in the pews. I mean, it was our grandparents before us and our great-grandparents before them, but it's always the same doctrine. It's always the same faith. Do you know that we have two bricks in this church? One is out here in the East Tower, and the other one is down by the entrance to the old school building. And on it, it says UAC, 1530. That means Unaltered Augsburg Confession. And the 1530 is the year 1530, 486 years ago. 
when that doctrine was confessed. And we're still teaching it and still confessing it. It doesn't change. Here we are on the shore, not going anywhere, nothing at all changing. But the boat keeps floating farther and farther away. Now, when we leave here, when we leave the sanctuary, the Lord's church, and go home and watch the news or read the paper or watch TV or talk with our neighbor, we realize that everything around us is changing, that the world is adrift, that it's, that it's floating, and it's floating faster and farther out to sea. And we realize with great sadness that the world can no longer recognize the smile on the face of Jesus. That the world can no longer hear the kindness in his voice. That the world can no longer receive the blessing in in his raised hands. That, in fact, the world hates him. And the world hates you. And the devil rejoices. Now, a couple more things on this picture. And I hope you all will think about this picture and let me know if you think it fits or how it can be adjusted as a way of understanding what's going on in the world and the church. At some point, the analogy breaks down. And in fact, I might push it in just a minute to the point of breaking down. And I mean, really, when we consider it, we realize that the world has, in fact, always hated Jesus and always hated the church. Jesus said that. The world hated me first, and it will hate you also. But the hatred of the world takes a different shape at different times, and sometimes this hatred and this anger burns hotter than others. Now, some people might say, hey, Pastor, it's not the smile and the kindness of Jesus that troubles the people on the boat. It's that he's always telling us how to fix it. There are, we have to confess, ten rules to keep that boat floating. (laughs) And Jesus preaches these rules. He preaches the law. As the people on the boat are pulling planks off the side of the boat to make their furniture in their room more comfortable, Jesus says that's not going to end well. And I suppose that's why in these days the church has to preach so often about all these social issues, about marriage, about life, about whatever social conflict or whatever social thing that we've approved that is tearing the ship apart. It's like Jesus saying, hey, that lifeboat, that's a lifeboat, not a hot tub. Or that, that's gasoline, not cocktail drinks. But the devil's there saying, hey, hey look at how mean that Jesus is on the, on the shore. Look at how, how mean his words are. He must hate you. And again, we're confused about this about this difference between what's being said and what's being heard. And the situation, I think, for us is even more difficult because all of us have people that we love on that ship. Our family, our friends. We get our news broadcast from the ship. BBC, the Boat Broadcasting Corporation. (laughs) I should have thought of an NPR joke there. (laughs) And here is where the analogy begins to really break down. Because for most of us, our jobs are on that boat. Our houses are on that boat. Our flesh lives on that boat. 
And we are living on that boat with everyone else. At least half of us is. And as we sit there with a leg on the boat and a leg on the shore and we're being stretched, pulled in half, we are tempted to think that it is the church that's moving away, that Jesus has changed, that our life on the boat isn't that bad, or whatever. I mean, you know how the devil preaches to you. So that whatever lies we hear, whatever violence is thrown at us from the boat, however good things look there, On board, we are called to stand on the shore. We are called to look up at Jesus and see his hands raised in blessing. We stand in the shadow of our Lord so that we can see his smile and hear his voice and believe it. And in this, Jesus feeds our souls. He gives us eternal life. And there's a second part to the text, and it is this. Jesus not only gives us the confidence that he takes care of our soul and our everlasting life, but also the confidence that he takes care of our bodies. This, in fact, is the point of the feeding of the 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fish, Jesus can take care of people. Jesus can take care of you. Jesus is the one who teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, because he loves to hear us pray, and he loves to answer that prayer. When Luther was preaching on the text, he said this, Never has it been seen or heard that a Christian died for want of bread. They might, the Christian might, says Luther, be thrown into prison or martyred or put to death in some other way, but they will not starve. And I think in the last 500 years since Luther preached that, it's still true. Jesus will not let you starve. If he has to multiply seven loaves to feed 4,000 of us, if he has to make it rain bread from heaven, he will provide for you. Now, this doesn't mean that you might not have times of hunger and times of suffering. I mean, the 4,000 in the wilderness had three days without any food before Jesus, before Jesus feeds them. It might be that Jesus drags us through all sorts of trouble and hunger and sickness and sorrow, but he promises through all of it to be with us. This also does not mean that Jesus will give us everything that our heart desires and make us rich and princes and queens in the world. He did not provide for the 4,000 a lavish meal in the wilderness, but enough, enough to satisfy them, enough to keep them alive so that they could make it home. And it is the same with you. When you have this promise, Jesus will feed you. He will give you enough bread and water to keep you alive, and more than that, He will give you eternal life by his word and promise. He gives you daily bread, and he gives you his own body and blood for life eternal. This hasn't changed, and this never will change until Jesus returns. 
For God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And this is you, and this is me, the beloved of Christ. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.